Hey guys, Lance Zerline here. We're Houston. We're the city of champions. How about I give you another champion? If you've suffered an injury in an accident and would like a free case review, call the super team at Daspit Law Firm. They're champions. Free consultations are available 24-7. Dial 713-CALL-NOW. That's 713-CALL-NOW and DaspitLaw.com. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's John and Lance. Because we were so busy with uh, all the football from the weekend, we really didn't get a chance to uh, commiserate on the Dynamo's 2-0 loss to LAFC on uh, Saturday night. So joining us now, Glenn Davis. Although, Glenn, this this was a turnaround year, wasn't it? I mean, it just seemed different this year. The ownership, uh, the commitment... 13, like 30 new people between the front office and on the pitch. There are like 30 new people here this year, and it showed on the field this year, didn't it? Yeah, competitively, it was excellent. I think you take it, John, in the context of, you know, the entire season and then in the context of what's going on the last eight or nine years. You know, you're only in the playoffs once. Team wasn't very relevant uh, with past ownership, and you take it in the context of the single game against LAFC. But overall, fantastic year. Pat Onstad, Ben Olsen, um, Asher Mendelson, these guys competitively, and all the people behind the scenes have put together a good team. So there is a great feeling of the Houston Dynamo as a soccer team competitively, and MLS is back. So if you had your druthers for one thing, that the Dynamo could do this off season. What's the most important thing they have to do? Yeah, I think if you know if people were listening to my show, I think the big question before the season is still the big question that probably has to be answered at the end of the season is that is that's goal scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a club that only had 14 multi-goal games in the playoffs. You know, they only had one out of five games where they scored multiple goals. So. You got to look at the front four of the team. You got to find uh, a number nine center forward, a legitimate killer who's a finisher, and I think another attacking player that's you know capable off the dribble and producing final product in the attacking third of the field. Now that said, the story of the Houston Dynamo this year is the overall collective defending and team shape and improvement in the possession game, which was phenomenal and made them just a really fun team to watch. But the end product of all of that has to be bigger and better. And, you know, ultimately the game's about scoring goals. I was telling you right now, as somebody who writes up all these draft profiles, and I, over the years I've gotten less wordy. I'm less interested with crafting these fun to read things because it's just so much work. Soccer is the best when it comes to the wording and clever word. Glenn Davis has said something I'd never heard on the final – the final third, what did you say, uh, crafting uh, final, what, what is it you just said when you said at the Some, end? Something about the final third and end product. And yeah, yeah. crafting an end product or whatever. You, I was like, 
that means scoring. This is brilliant. Like <laughs> this is brilliant wording and terminology. Oh, 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 that you have to score goals to win the game. That's brilliant. No, but the way you said it, I love the I love the way it's more poetic. The way you said it, like I, I that's one of the things that I love about the sport and the people who speak about the sport is there's such a there's such a poetry about it. Well, you know what? I've never been called poetic before. There you go. There you go. Take it. I've got, uh, I've got a question about, uh, in terms of, when John was talking about roster building, how difficult is it in the MLS in general to maintain momentum on your roster from one year to the next? What does the turnover look like, and, and is it something you can build upon, or is it something where you first have to make sure you keep the pieces in place? Like, what, what, is, what does the build-out look like from one year to the next for a typical MLS team? Yeah, it's very tricky because, you know, you've got all these player categories. You've got a salary cap of about $7.5 million. Um, uh, you've got these designated players that can count, uh, that you can pay whatever you want for, but they only count X amount of dollars. So I think they'll probably be, uh, you know, you want to retain about 80% of the team. They've already moved the designated player in teenage and baby, which means they have an opportunity to go get a big-time player who, who could be an attacking player, but I think it's difficult. And for the Dynamo, it's, it's a shorter window right now uh, because of the fact that they went deep in the playoffs. They're going to be in the CONCACAF Champions League. They're probably playing in uh, seven weeks uh, in that tournament in the beginning of February. So, yeah, it, it is tough. Um, you know, I think the one area that we look at with the Houston Dynamo in the future is, is they've got to develop their own players through their academy that actually are bona fide starters and hold down real roles on the team in the future because that's cheap labor what does it um, take to do that glenn takes uh, well it takes your player development program and the people running that program to accelerate yeah. that to the point where it's more than just people participating but actual players i mean not people kids uh being groomed to be professional soccer players by the by the time they're 17, 18, 19, and 20. Soccer's a young man's sport. You have to be able to produce those players by that point. And I think it was a little difficult for the Dynamo and Pat Onstead because it's hard for them to give any younger players opportunity right now with the goal being getting into the playoffs, which they did. But, you know, the history of us not producing players for the first team here in Houston, in a city of 7 and 8 million, with talent everywhere, with the history of kids in the past going into MLS, um, you know, this is a big piece of it. you got to develop your own because when it comes to a, a smaller salary cap comparatively to other leagues, these players are what you call, quote-unquote, cheap labor. They play well a couple years in MLS. They help you win something, and then they, they move to Europe, and you sell them, and you make a profit on them and make some money. It takes a Jeff Luneau, who you had on your show, by the way, and uh, congratulations with that cat, and he's just a fabulous. It takes a guy who can see talent and then a system, nothing against Pat Onstead. I'm, I'm not trying to replace Pat Onstead, but it takes a guy like who, who, who built up the Astros organization from within. Now, he had a lot of uh, high draft picks to do it with, but he also, the player development side was f- phenomenal. And the, 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 the Dynamo needs something like that. It would be great. Um, let me ask you about some guys. How much, how much does Herrera have left in the tank? Yeah, so by the way, real fast on Jeff. Fascinating guy. Fascinating for me 
to relate baseball data and player development to soccer. Um, he absolutely loves promotion and relegation, which I thought was really cool. But he was a fascinating interview um, that people can grab on ESPN975.com. So Hector Herrera, I think he's got a lot more in the tank. I think, I think in the LAFC game, the Western Conference Final, he was totally overburdened, um, and you could see it. He kind of turned a little bit in that game into a one-man show. He didn't get enough support from the front four in that game. Uh, LAFC, credit to them. I mean, the way they won that game was just team-shaped, um, pressure on the ball, and the Dynamo really, even though they had 70% of the ball for data people, um, they could not get into the final third and, and couldn't create chances. So you had to give it to LAFC. They just suffocated them. But Hector's been unbelievable to watch this guy orchestrate the team, help grow the culture on behalf of the people that signed him and the club. Unbelievable to watch him play, a real thinker. I, I love watching these guys that are trying to think a step or two ahead. And, and for him just to go to the Shell Energy Stadium and watch him run the show was, was totally impressive. Are, are Dorsey and Quinones good enough on the wings for, to be a championship team? Well, those are two that are maturing young players. I, Griffin Dorsey is the reason the team turned around uh, because he brought a wide element to the game to complement all that short and tight passing between Herrera, Artur, Karaskia, and Bossy. Uh, Dorsey's got to get paid now. Uh, phenomenal story in Major League Soccer. And Nelson Quinones started to mature at the end of the season and begin to get behind people. Um, he got cracked in the LAFC game and never recovered from it. Uh, but by a guy, Holling said, who had who he had torched in the game prior earlier in the year. So he kind of got taken out of that game. But but I think he's a rising talent. It was good that they kept him and bought him out after his uh, loan agreement. So I think those are two for the future. The Dynamo, no question, are going to want to retain. Glenn Davis with us here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Mr. Soccer here in the city of Houston. What's going on with the uh, Men's World Cup team? What's the latest? Is there, what's, what's the latest news that we need to know? Yeah, I think, I think everybody was slightly disappointed in the last results. I mean, the team was missing the Polisics and the McKinneys and a lot of the key players. But I think uh, with, with the Copa America draw, which is today, which will be here, in Houston next summer, everybody's hoping the U.S. is going to get some uh, phenomenal competition in that against the likes of maybe an Argentina or a Brazil or a Colombia and some of the bigger soccer-playing powers. Competition is something the U.S. needs outside of CONCACAF teams. So um, that's going to be exciting. We're going to host that here. It's going to be like a mini World Cup, really, with South American teams. And uh, obviously Mexico's playing here, so... There's two group games and a quarterfinal. It's possible Messi could come to Houston uh, next summer representing, of all things, Argentina. Uh, So that would be pretty phenomenal. I think next month the U.S. men's national team is in San Antonio, believe it or not. Nice. Glenn, Lance and I discussed the Premier League quite a bit about how reactionary it seems like the teams are when they get rid of a manager. The talk, at least coming out of that disappointing game for the U.S. was if a bad Copa America could spell then for Burhalter. Do you think the, the U.S. Soccer Federation is of that mindset that if we're embarrassed, say we don't get out of the group stage in a tournament we normally don't get involved in, um, is, is, 
could there cha- could a change be made, or is he safe uh, until maybe another awful result? Yeah, I mean, pressure on managers, I think, historically in the U.S., I don't think that's the way we've done it. There's been a lot of rope given to U.S. men's national team managers. Um, yeah, look, if, if they lost all their games in the group stages, I mean, that better be in the conversation, or we haven't grown as a soccer country, right? I mean, let's face it, it's all about results. That's what coaches love to say, even when they play poorly. It's, hey, it's about results, you know, don't. Don't get upset. Um, so, yeah, I think that pressure is something um, that is around any national team ma- manager, but I think, it's, I think it's, there's different degrees of it depending on the soccer culture in the country. Ours, we've tended to give a longer rope, but I, I think health pressure in general through all phases of the game in this country is missing. Um, you know, we don't have enough healthy pressure in the media on the Houston Dynamo. Um, and they want that. Trust me. You talk to Pat Onstead. He'll say we want that um, because you need that in order to, to grow the sport and, and to grow franchises. I mean, imagine if we had healthy pressure on the Dynamo over the nine years and prior ownership. Um, maybe we wouldn't have waited nine years for a turnaround, right? Because fans would have demanded more. And, and they walked away. They walked away attendance-wise, and, and nothing ever changed. That's Glenn Davis right here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, the foremost authority of soccer, not only in the city of Houston, maybe in America. Glenn, as always, <laughs> man, we appreciate it. Great stuff. Congratulations on a great uh, Dynamo season. And uh, looking forward to but just seven weeks away, huh? So Glenn, we'll see Glenn, what happens. if John likes you, he likes you. If he hates you, he hates you. I mean, what are you talking you're about? on the right side of that. You called him the greatest in the in the country, Glenn started laughing yeah, about it. Yeah, Glenn, if he dis- if he didn't like you or didn't respect you, he go. Glenn has that little show, Soccer Matters, that he does. Listen, I'm no dummy. I know I got to kiss the ring of the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> this is you're both ridiculous. Glenn you is had, the best, I'm and I New say Jersey, it. I John. just say Come it on, like you it know is. That. No, we. I agree. I love Glenn. I'm just yeah. saying. If, no, no, no. If I say it like it you is. You make That's it very clear. It you're Glenn, fickle, right? Glenn, just oh. just know if you ever cross John, the first thing he'll do when he has you on is how's that little show you got going doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll never Don't happen, cross Glenn. Him. Don't cross him. That will never, hey, ever, ever happen. That's my guy. We're the little train that made it up the mountain, right? ESPN <laughs> oh. 97.5, once a week, a soccer show. We're trying to bring it to you. We want to do more, but we're going to have to get to all the soccer fans and the community behind us Let's so we go. can get more soccer talk. But we, are, I always appreciate you guys having me on. It really means a lot. The not only to me, but one. I think the soccer fan. It's the number one soccer show in the city. It's not even close. It's not even close. <laughs> it's not even close. In but. English language, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, English language soccer show, yes. yes what, that's is somebody going to give me a trophy since we're the number one English language soccer <laughs> show in the city? You win. I and the Emmy a, goes to. Award up. I see everybody winning awards. I want to win an award. The Emmy for the English speaking <laughs> soccer show. It goes to Glenn Davis. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> we appreciate it, man. There's Glenn Davis with us here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. I'm talking about, uh, now this is something that Glenn doesn't need. He doesn't need Doc Linville. I'll tell you that. He's got a nice head of hair, okay? Uh, if you don't have a nice head of lettuce, here's what you need. You need Doc Linville. Doc, Doc Linville's the best. He is going to give, he gave me hair. He's going to give you hair. I feel great about what he did. Uh, the, the process is so simple. 
It's not so painful like the other way the uh, the other guys do it. It's just that's just terrible. The neografting is different. Plus, he's got an anesthesia that lasts three days. Okay, and you don't even need it that long, but it lasts three days. So you're going to have there's going to be minimal discomfort when you get your hair done. If you don't need the neografting, and I, I know a lot of I, like I was trying to, this guy, young guy, he's like, yeah, I want to think I want to get that neograft. I'm like, you don't need that. Maybe you just need the PRP, which will stimulate the growth of your own hair. And Doc will let you know what it is. He's not going to, oh, yeah, make sure you get the neografting so he can make money. He doesn't care about that. What he cares about is you getting hair. So if you're looking for the best way to get hair, 975hair.com, 975hair.com. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, right where you belong. That song belongs to me! Currently, in the Veritex Community Bank Studios, one is a renowned forensic blood splatter expert, the other an appointed master of haberdashery. It's John and Lance. I'm watching Tari and Boban dance. Did you see this? Yes, I did. With vibes. Yeah, I saw it. It's on Tari's uh, Instagram. Yeah. They're pretty good. Yeah. I mean, Boban can move Boban for wasn't, a big guy. He wasn't terrible. No. He really wasn't. They got some moves. I think T- Tari likes to dance now. You can tell that. Yeah, Boban, pretty good for a monster. Am I right, Lance? Yeah, well, Lance, for a can mascot. you be a, a worse person, Lance? He's a mascot. Look, I misspoke. I don't know why the word monster came oh, out. I, think... I meant like a giant, mm-hmm. like an Andre the Giant uh-huh. type. Or like a lurch. A... What else yeah, did we call him? Yeah, or I... did you call him? Well, you get the gist of it. Didn't you call Jaws what? from the James Bond you movies. called him the guy from the Goonies. You're a bad person. Yeah, that was. <clears throat> yeah, what was that guy the, called? The, the mouth, the myth, the Lark or whatever his name. Yeah, he had a was. name that re- that that referenced what he looked <laughs> like. Yeah, that guy. You yeah. called him that from the Goonies. Yeah, that was. Was that, that a little probably, disrespectful? You think that probably was a little out of hand? Okay, probably. Yeah. No, what I was shooting for is more Andre the Giant. Like he's just he's an anomaly. He is. Uh, like a carnival, worst. Person. This isn't helping, by the way. Worst well, like person. when the carnival would come to town, like, hey, you see the freak show, oh, the guy. See, that's, that's not sad. helping. But that's that's what that's I'm saying. Terrible. See the freak show. Yeah, like the two-headed baby or the yeah. or the dog woman you who are has dog fur all over her face. The hole continues to get and larger. And then the giant man. The giant man was not that big a deal. We I mean, used to honestly. love Robert Ludlow. How, do I know, how come I can't name stop, the names of... Stop comparing him to I Sloth. screw up names all the time, but Robert Ludlow is with me forever. You know who that is? No. The super tall guy in the Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah, but you didn't call him Robert Ludlow. You called him Sloth from the Goonies. Yeah, but I already said that was probably a mischaracterization. Well, um, I'm big so, enough to own my... I won't call it a mistake. It's just I misnamed him. So, so uh, worst person... Him or, call Jamal, him a monster him or Jamal Adams is dead naming him. He's no. not a monster. <laughs> dead naming him. He is a worst person. Oh, you want me to answer? Okay. Jamal Adams, who Carnival if you missed what he did yesterday in his media availability, did not really step like Pete Carroll was like, Yeah, we'll talk to him. We don't really want to do that. Jamal nah man. Say, I'll say whatever I do want we to have say. It? Pretty so, much. No, I, I tried to find audio, but it was well, all I just got what he said. Print. It's always the athlete that crossed the line. 
when he responds. But at the end of the day, disrespect is disrespect, however you want to take it. So I responded. I knew when I did hit that tweet, I wasn't in it to win it. At the end of the day, it was to get him to understand, leave me the hell alone. When others go low, I go lower. But at least he's honest. At the end of the day, I knew that was something that he loved. And this is something that I love, playing the game. I was fed up with the stuff, so I gave him something back that I guarantee he won't respond back to anything else going forward. Ooh. And that was my whole point. This is very mob mob mentality. And, yeah. and when I mean mob, I mean like the, the Italian I mob. went after something he yeah. loved. I went after something he loved. So for those of you who don't know, Jamal Adams, this reporter from, from New York where he was before, and he kind of he showed the he showed the touchdown by Jake Ferguson and Jamal Adams was on him and he said, Yikes. And so Jamal Adams responded with a tweet of this guy's wife and said, Yikes. I'd say he went way, way, way past the way initial. Past, right. Well He said he goes lower. He goes lower, he, he did. He went to win the fight. You don't you don't yeah. you don't just knock the guy down when you want to win the fight. You, you make sure he never right comes back at you again. Yeah, you kick him in the gullions, and that's what he did. And your mom's a pig. What? Wait, what? I just showed this. Well, then he you caught, dropped an interception. Yeah, then he, what? Then he caught that. Okay. What? Another New York guy sent oh. out a picture of Jamal oh, Adams' I forgot, mom. Actually, I didn't even mean anything by that. I forgot. Another guy. Yeah. Did that? Sent yeah. out a picture of Jamal Adams' mom and said, "Yikes!" <laughs> so and look, so Jamal Adams' mom. Looks like any just she's just a mom. I mean, mom. I looked at the picture. It's not some. It's not like Lance. Like she's not a carnival attraction. Well, not, oh, so you're saying she's not Bobon? <laughs> no, exactly. That, well, Bobon's just a mascot. He's not a mascot. He's not a player. He's a person. He's, he's a, a human being. So was Robert Bodwin, also known as Clutch. He was a person too. You know what he? But he was also a mascot. All mascots are people. Ted Giannolis was the the not San the, Diego chick. Not all mascots are people. You got some animal mascots. Yeah, they do, but but just because you're a mascot, look, he's not like he doesn't play. Um, when but, I was growing up, it was Chuck Nevitt. You always have the seven foot four, you know, kind of freakish guy. Oh, yeah. here we go. <laughs> what breaking news? What John Rom is signed with Live for four hundred and fifty million. What euros? So well, he's gone. Filthy. Dirty, filthy is right, Gilbert. He is dirty, filthy. dirty, filthy. Yeah, John. So Rom. John Rom quit golf today and just retired. He well, he didn't really. He's going to play golf. No, for he them. quit meaningful golf. Yeah, at least other than majors. It's this is bad. This is really bad. This is really bad. Who's for the left? Tour. Rory. And and now you see what the P, what they're doing, what the PGA Tour is doing, and uh, the World Tour in in 2028. They're limiting the ball. They're having a big... Yeah, the rollback on the ball. Roll I, I meant to ask you this because I knew the listeners would be really into this. Yeah. But 2028, they're, they're going to take about back 10 ball. yards. It'll be an average of about 10 yards off After of every... After years of trying to get you to hit it yeah. further, different balls, different technology clubs. on the shafts, clubs, yeah. everything. Now they're like, we can't build golf courses any longer now. Right. We're going to have to maybe dial the ball back, which is the best way to, but I don't, to do that. What I don't get is why... Do you know what? Why are you doing this to the – and I, I don't know how they're going to be able to, to, to support this. If I'm a, ball, a golf ball company and I want to make a golf ball that's longer, that's just like all the other golf balls now, I'll make those golf balls. Then you'll be arrested. But No, you're not going to get arrested. Yes, I, it, this I is going to be – is this going to be a law? I know that there's going to be a black market for current golf balls that you're going to have – 
I mean, if I'm if, if I was smart, I'd buy up as many golf balls as I possibly so could right now. So when I was a kid, now. we would go we would go out and we'd walk out on when I lived in Pecan Grove, we would walk out on the golf course and we'd go look for balls, right? And yeah. we'd go sell them. Yeah. And one of the ones that was known as the cheat ball, do you know what it was? Oh yeah, they're they're like rock. Yeah. It's a, I don't know, but it had a name. Yeah. Robin Hood. Oh, oh. So I they were Robin Hood. There's a bunch of different ones. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is back yeah, in the eighties. Right. It was the Robin Hood. And so that was known as the, the cheat, long ball. That yeah. was known as the cheat ball was the Robin was Hood. There was nothing else that I knew of out there like that. And I remember a golfer told me one time, Oh, he goes, oh, I'll take this. And I said, What's so great? I've never seen this before. He goes, Yeah, it flies further. Yeah. But now you can't stop it. It'll careen off the green because it's so hard. It's got no spin on it. I well, mean, I just uh, do something where I change it in the in the on the middle of the course. Uh just change balls. Well you can't pick up your ball sure and change it in the ah, middle of sure the hole. You can. Well, maybe you can, but that's, you know, but you're a bad person. We know that. Boban knows that. Uh, anyway, John Rahm, it's not good for it's not good for the tour. It's just not good. Losing Cam Smith, now losing John Rahm, losing Dustin Johnson, losing it's not Brooks good for Kepka. Me. Huh? It's not good for me because if this is the one of, one of the next steps to end all golf, it means – that sleep aid I have in the spring on Sundays oh, is gone. No, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> so I need a, I need a, enough of those guys to stay, so I can just flip that on. It'll be on. You sure? Yeah. If what if it ends all golf and live is like now on just YouTube? Everyone's yeah. in live and it's just well, on you YouTube can put now. YouTube on too, right? I guess, but it's not the same. No, they're wearing shorts. <laughs> yeah, they only play three rounds. And Jim Nance isn't. His no. dulcet tones aren't rocking me to sleep. You're not. This is not about you sleeping. Sleep aid. This is about an entire sport being beaten. I'm concerned too. Bludgeoned by Saudi money, and I'm concerned too. The yeah. Saudis may ruin my sleep. We got Josh Pate coming next, right here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. So let's get to a break. Josh Pate was with the big was with the big team last week on CBS Sports. He was. Oh yeah. Oh nice. Josh is moving up. Josh is with us up. and the big team. He started with us. Yeah. HRP. I started it. Is where Lance should go now after those Boban comments. HRP might be calling him because that's just ugly to be. I'm, I'm sure Jeremy is talking to HRP right now. I would imagine whoa, after yesterday's whoa, debacle whoa. and whatever happened there. So here's the deal: is if you're looking for a company that's going to take care of your HR problems, yep. You got it. It's HRMP. HRP.net. 281-880-6525 or HRP.net. HRMP is simply the best way to go about this thing. Let them come and evaluate your business. It's what they're doing right now. So we're coming towards the end of the year. You might, it might be too close to the end of the year to be seamless with a new, but the quicker, the, the sooner you do it, the less rigmarole it is to come tax time with two different companies so this is the time to give them a call chris fisher told me man we are we're blowing and going right now we are so busy but we all got we got time to evaluate any business out there that is looking at what they've done this year and want to do it better you want to get that payroll better you want to get that hr better you want to get those taxes better you want to get your 401ks and all of that better HRMP gives you options on that stuff. So you're looking for the best way to get out of your payroll company and into ours, hrp.net, 281-880-6525 or hrp.net. ESPN 975.com. One of these guys cheats at fishing. We got weights and fish. There we go.
You're back in the Veritex Community Bank Studios with John Granado and Lance Zerline. Welcome back here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Yeah, he's with the big team on CBS, and he's with the big team now, John and Lance. Josh Pate joining us here at Late Kick Josh and the Late Kick with Josh Pate podcast on YouTube. Josh, welcome in. How about that past weekend? And wow, what a this was the this had to be the worst. I, there's one thing I didn't want to be was on that committee this weekend because there was, it was a no win situation. What are your thoughts as college, college football is one of college football's most foremost authorities on the way that it all worked out? Yeah, well, you're right about that. Uh, not not about the foremost authority part, but about the not wanting to be on the committee part. Um, but I don't think they did themselves any favors either. So last week, like we sat right here on the show last week, and I told you probably one of the most surreal things and dumb things that I saw the committee do was Hancock came out that Tuesday and voluntarily said, hey, most deserving, that's not even in our lexicon. We're about the four best teams, which flew in the face of everything that they've either said or either waffled on in the past. And that was the first indicator that, hey, uh, things may be changing here. And uh, people didn't really pay much attention to it. So then when Florida State got left out, they did pay attention to it. So my stance on this is probably as weird-sounding as anyone's because, on one hand, they put the four teams in that I would put in. But they did not use the criteria or logic I would at all. I just looked at the resumes. And I think Bama's got the better resume, and that's about how long it would take me to explain it to you. With them, they go they go up and down the street of, well, how, how much is Jordan Travis worth? Well, how do we think they would do in the playoff? And then the thing they don't want to tell you that absolutely mattered after last year was, well, we don't want a repeat of TCU. And Dennis Dodd, who writes for us at CBS here, goes and gets one of them anonymously to just admit to him it was gut-wrenching. This is a quote from them. It was gut-wrenching, but we had to project how we thought Florida State would do in the playoff. So I'm sitting here as someone who put Alabama in his own 14 field, and I'm telling you, if that's the criteria they use, that's garbage criteria. And that warrants reconsideration as to how that entire committee has been made up. Now, I thought that before this, but now I really think it. Okay, so, I'm confu- it, I'm, I'm confu- I am confused on this one. So... You thought it was bad that they came out and said, "We're going to go. Do, we're going. We're not doing deserving. We're going best." Which basically, to me, I already realized. Man, Florida State needs a needs an impressive win here. We knew that was probably going to be the case. Um, and then, but you you didn't like that, and then you also like you or, or you don't think. Look, I don't know if I, I think Georgia is one of the four best teams. I get that. That's always that could be an argument for sure. But you didn't like the way that. Did you think Florida State should have been in? No, I didn't think they should have been in, but I didn't think they should be in. And then the follow-up, when explaining it, should be, well, their resume is not good enough. That's it. I, I don't think that's what they oh, did. Okay. And also, I also I think they this is not the only front. I think they got caught baking their own expectations into their rankings on multiple fronts. So there's no reason Alabama should have been eight going into that final weekend. There's no reason Oregon should have been ahead of Texas and Alabama going into that final Well, weekend. they had no and, way to, yeah. I mean, they kind of got stuck because once Oregon was there and they kept winning, what were you going to – and they had an impressive win against Oregon State. There was never a chance to move them ahead of Oregon once once Oregon started, play, you know, 
Oregon kind of locked it in. And once you had them ahead of Texas and, and, uh, uh, although why would a one loss Texas team, why do you think they should be ahead of Oregon? You just think they're a better team? Well, I think they're a better team, but absent that, by the committee's own criteria, yeah. by those data points, Texas had more, Bama had more. Oregon, by their own criteria, should have been eight. What I think they were doing was what normal people do, except the committee's not supposed to do this. I thought they were looking ahead and thinking, well, Oregon's going to go beat Washington. So, you know, we can go ahead and put them up there. They'll be right. Well, Bama's, Bama's not going to beat Georgia. We'll be fine. Well, Florida State, let's rank them up here and get all the accolades for believing in them. They're going to lose the game eventually, so it won't matter. <laughs> well, none of that happened. Right. And as a result, you didn't have anything overly radical happen in conference championship weekend. You had Bama win. That was the only – Real big upset because Washington beating Oregon just replaced one Pac-12 team with another. So that that didn't really upset the apple cart at all. So you don't have anything radical happen, and yet you had three things that had never been seen before. You got two teams go from below the sixth seed to end the playoff. We've never had one before. You got an undefeated Power 5 champ out, never happened before. You got number one fall all the way out. That never happened before. The only explanation I have for that is, the rankings were not real. They were a facade of a set of rankings to begin with because they had sort of baked expectation in rather than just going off their data point. And at the finish line, all they could apply were their data points. we got Josh Payne with us here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. So where are you going for these two? Which one are you going to go to? I, I just prefer um, Southern California in January. Like New Year's in California is very nice because you get more. You maximize your year. You know, you're on the West Coast. You're in the Pacific time zone. So you get to enjoy it a little bit longer than everyone else. And then also you get the Rose Bowl the next day at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon local time. So you get Bama, Michigan. And then you get to watch the final game either from the comfort of an airplane or the comfort of a hotel room, and that just sounds preferable to me. <laughs> that sounds like a great <laughs> New Year's. That's a great way I'm to I'm going to be in New Orleans uh, if my if – my, uh, we got tickets, but if my credential comes in, I'm yeah. gonna, I'll am going be in New Orleans. For that'll, that'll, be, that'll be fun too. So what do you think about the lines for these games so far? What do you think about what – what do you think about the betting angle on these games? Uh, Bama, Michigan opened about where I'd, I'd expect. I, I slightly lean Alabama there. I was going to lean whoever came out of that SEC game. But the Texas, I mean, as much as I said I'm going to the, the Rose Bowl, the Texas-Washington game probably is a little more fascinating to me in a sense that I think the vast majority of the public will lean Texas. It seems like the vast majority of the public leaned against Washington in several of their games this year, so that's nothing new for them. But when you talk, if you ever talk to coaches, like Lance, you probably hear this all the time. Teams on the West Coast, the hardest thing for them to do is not to build a wide receiver room or to find a quarterback. They have trouble Defense. building offensive lines out there. Oh, yeah. There aren't enough players. They've yeah. got to go east to get them. And Washington has one. They have got an offensive line up there, and it's, it's probably the most underrated aspect of their program right now and their team. And it is not an easy out when you play them. I don't care who you are. You go... You go ask Oregon what surprised them the most about their loss, and they'll tell you, we never thought in a million years Washington would outrush us. And they did. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying, oh, that will happen to Texas. What I'm saying is um, I think it's a much more competitive matchup, I guess, than just the typical public thinks it is. 
I don't know if you saw this, but um, the Joe Moore Award, we came out with our finalists, and it's Georgia LSU, who people kind of slept on LSU a little bit. They they kind of really came on when you, you watch a tape. But Oregon and Washington, and Washington's game against Oregon, man, I'd, I'd say that Washington has, uh, and they're undefeated, their game against Oregon, if they – I think they, based on now, we we send the vote to all the coaches, 134 offensive line coaches. We have votes. The offensive line coaches have votes. But I co-sign exactly what you're saying with Washington all year long. While they have been a little up and down at times as a team, they had a little, they had a little lull in there for a little bit um, fairly recently. Their offensive line is something that really what they did to or- Oregon in that game. Wow, how impressive was that? Yeah, it kind of. It aggravates me in retrospect that that's not what I zeroed in on um, because had I done that, I certainly wouldn't have spoken in absolutes about the edges Oregon had. Uh, and, I, look, it's not my job to get their team ready, but it almost feels like Oregon staff got caught by surprise, at, which is inexplicable because they already played them earlier in the year. But it was, it was wild, man. I was at that game, and there was never a time where it felt like, granted, Oregon had a 21-0 run, but there was never a time where you even said, uh-oh, for Washington. Like, they were competitive the whole time. They had the edge the whole time. There was nothing flukish, as as is the case before, about the outcome of that game. Josh Bay with us here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Well, speaking of awards, who's your Heisman? The guy who's going to win it, Jaden Daniels. You know, oh. I was looking at him because I don't get into the Heisman as much as some folks do. Um, I respect the award. Sometimes the process of voting on it uh, leaves a little bit to be desired. But this year, I think the guy that I would vote for is going to win it. I think that the best thing to do to kind of convey to people how good Daniels has been this year is, number one, just watch his games. But if you need the whole resume thing, forget his passing numbers. They're up there. They're wonderful. He has got running back one numbers. He's got like all conference caliber running back numbers. He is over a thousand, over 1100 yards rushing. He is an 8.4 yards per carry guy. And if you know LSU football, you know that running back position has been where they've been hurt mightily the last several years. They have not been able to really fill that spot, that number one running back position with a bell cow that can carry it 25 times a game. And Jaden Daniels kind of did that just in addition to being an all-SEC caliber quarterback this year. So, to me, when you combine that with what happened to Bo Nix in the, in the playoff or in the uh, Pac-12 championship game out there, I think, uh, think Jaden Daniels is my guy. If Bo Nix had played better and they would have won, he would have won it, no? I think it would have. It wouldn't have swayed my vote. Uh, I still would have gone Daniels, but I wouldn't have faulted anyone if they went Nix. And I do believe Nix would have won it had Oregon won that game. What do you think of McCord leaving Ohio State? Um, it raised my eyebrows, but at the same time, I only see half the story. I don't know the other side, and that is who does Ohio State's coaching staff already have their eyes yeah, on? Yeah, they've got somebody. Uh, they know, probably course, just told the kids. Yep. Well, since I'm on the record, let me say tampering never happens, and no one ever talks to anyone before they go in the portal. <laughs> and this is, a, this is a very pristine sport we have here. But in the real world, and uh, earmuff the kids now, yeah, I'm pretty sure Ohio State knows where they're going at quarterback long before Tom McCord enters the portal. Yeah. What about the Texas quarterback situation? You see Murphy's um, in the portal. Yeah, that's that's one that I think a lot of staffs wish would have happened after the spring game because I think there are 
more than a few staffs. I can tell you a couple in the SEC who think their fortunes would have changed this year had Malik Murphy availed himself to them before the 2023 season. Whether they're right or not, I don't know. Um, I, I'm interested in that because I really wonder, number one, I wonder when kids go in the portal, are they really leaving? That's not always the case. And, and if they are, the market for quarterback is totally detached from anything else. I mean, Cam Ward is a good example of that right now. Uh, we'll see what happens with Murphy, but I know that there are several teams out there who are going to immediately enter that uh, sweet stakes, for lack of a more raw term. And it, it gives you something to watch. It's just unfortunate. I wish this happened in February instead of December because transfer portal ends up just taking a lot of the oxygen out of the room that used to be filled with bowl game excitement. You know, um, it is the portal is, is, is. is huge, is huge numbers, huge business. Um, I kind of, before we let you go, I, I kind of changed my thought. Like I had an understanding at first, my visceral reaction to Dylan Gabriel leaving is, God, what a joke. This guy goes from that team. He's only at Oklahoma for one year. Now he's going to go take money. Or he's at there. He's there for two years. Okay. Now he's going to go take money again. Like there's no loyalty. And then, I started thinking about it. Dylan Gabriel, to me, is not going to be an NFL quarterback. If he is, he's a Nick Mullen-type backup. I don't see him as a starting NFL quarterback. And the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, this is his NFL contract, I guess. If the money's there, he can go make money somewhere. He's probably not going to make it to me on the NFL level. It actually, yeah, I understand it. Like, I get it. This is a chance to make money that he won't. He won't He's get. probably not going to make. This, this will be the most money he'll make in his life, probably. More than likely in a hey, you're year, ab- yeah. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right about that. And then the other thing you're trying to build is you're trying to build equity in as many different markets as you can. Build up goodwill in as many markets because, as you guys know, even if you don't play it down in the NFL, yes, your earnings were in the college ranks, but also you set yourself up in terms of public appearances, speaking engagements, ambassadorships, because there's money to be made there as well. And so – it's not going to be ten, fifteen million a year, but you can set yourself up a nice sort of six-figure annual boost in just the appearance circuit. And if you're relevant in three markets instead of one, it greatly helps you there. <laughs> Absolutely. And before you go, what'd you think of the Willie Fritz hiring here? I, uh, I I didn't think it was going to be able to be pulled off. Frankly, I thought he had a really good and creative sort of contract built for him at Tulane. I, I don't know that the perception of the Houston program is such that every duck is in a line and in a row behind the scenes. And so if Willie Fritz has all that going for him, it's a really good landing spot. Um, I, I still think half the country doesn't even realize Houston is a Big 12 job, but they are. And so if everything's aligned behind the scenes, it's a good move for him. I just I know things were aligned to Tulane, so I hope he has that there. Yeah. Well, he's he's up in the power, you know, in the power five as opposed to where he was. So maybe that was part of it. And he could coach in a big city. It, it's a different deal coaching in a city that's that where your, your college team isn't number one. Uh, so he's got, he's got that experience as well. I, I, I really like the hire. I think it's going to, I think it's going to be uh, good for the university. Now he's also got a big building coming in of uh, a, a, a football facility coming in that, that Dana didn't have to work with. So that is certainly going to help, but it's still going to take a little while. It's going to take, Fritz a little while to win here. I don't think there's any question. Yeah, I just, I always ask, the first thing I ask is, what are you getting that the previous guy didn't have? 
normally the answer is there has been some accommodation and some promise, or in this case, things that were already on the way. But the other thing that I always want to know about is alignment. And, you know, when I've asked around the industry, that's just the thing I come back to. There have been some mixed reviews on the alignment behind the scenes. I don't know Houston firsthand, so I have to ask around because I don't have personal experience there. But if he gets it, man, that's a good one. Georgia Tech could have had him last year if they had a little patience, but they didn't. And so Houston benefits from that. Yep. yep. That's Josh Pate with us here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. It has been a great season. Do you want to – let's wrap it up in uh, January after after the maybe the playoff games, and let's do it again then and, and uh, well, hang wait, out wait, and talk well, about well, – we got, he's coming here for the national title game. We need him in studio. Well, oh, that's true. Josh, we'll take you. We got the food covered for you. We got what? Like we, we'll show you a good time here in Houston. Well, this is the first opportunity that I have had to say to any group of people, "I'll see you in January. I'll see you in 2024." So you have me on the record there. That is my verbal commitment. And there by the way, congrats! You were doing the big the the big TV show last week, weren't you? Can you believe they slipped up and put me on that thing? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. How about that? Unbelievable. All, all grown up. It started right here for you. So And a white guy who looks good with the shaved head. Like he's making Boom. it he's Boom. making it an option Preach for it. me. Yeah. Shout it from the mountaintop. Yeah. He's got, making it an option. I got a hair guy here. Okay, yeah, Josh if you, has got his brand. He's okay. already got his brand. <laughs> He's got, if you Stop. if you want to try it here when you come to Houston, maybe you you can get <laughs> you can do a hair restoration. Hair restoration. Of, Josh yeah. already went. Like once you go bald, you don't go back, right? Right. Once you shave it down, there are very few people that just regrow it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Josh, man, we appreciate it, and we'll see you here in studio in January. All right, man. I'll see you guys. I right, appreciate Josh, you, Josh. Pate with us here on ESPN. People are big. People like hearing Josh Pate on the radio. Yeah, no, he's good. My guy John Daspit loves Josh Pate. He's the he's he wants a, to sponsor him for something. Right. Find out if I can sponsor him for something. I'm sure he'll take your money. I'll check. I'm sure he'll take your, money. Check. <laughs> sure he'll take your <laughs> money, John. He just John Daspit's like, let me. Who can I throw money at next? <laughs> Love that. Uh, here's here's the deal. Here's what's happening right now. You want to throw money at uh, on your team? Uh, you got it. MyBookie.ag, promo code BET975. Okay, so the NFL season is still here. The NBA season is here. The college basketball season is here. The uh, bowl season is here. The uh, playoff, college football playoffs are here. Soccer is starting up, like Glenn said, in just about in seven weeks. I mean, it's, it's thing after thing after thing after thing. It's thousands of different things that you can bet on, that you want to bet on. If you've ever had a bookie, and, you know, sometimes people get screwed by bookies. It happens. That's never going to happen at my bookie. Never going to happen at my bookie because my bookie is you, when you win, you get paid. And they got bonuses that you can cash out early on. They got parlays you can cash out early on. They got bonuses all the time for different bets that the big games, like the big game, when the Super Bowl comes, they'll have, oh, here's here's a free bet for you. Here's a $25 free bet. Just throw in you $25 for absolutely no reason. I'm just telling you right here and now, my bookie is the best way to go. You're looking for the best way to play, win, and get paid. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. Mybookie.ag, but you got to put in promo code BET975. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Dude. Ah, you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this? Who? Jack Burton. Me.
You're back in the Veritex Community Bank Studios with John Granado and Lance Zerline. I thought it was appropriate to play this considering the love being shown to Josh by Lance. And John, Sorry, hold on, have... hold on. But first, before you respond, okay, it's t- you gave a lot to Josh because it's a season of giving. Oh. Air Team Heating and Cooling and ESP975 have teamed up for a holiday drive benefiting Del Pelchin Children's Center now through tomorrow, really. So get your donations ready. Drop off donations at Air Team to support our Houston youth in foster care. Our station will be broadcasting live all day tomorrow. So stop by and say hello with your donation. Most needed items and donation info at airteamltd.com. It's a holiday drive benefiting the Pelchin Children's Center. Brought to you by Air Team, your H-Town heating and cooling team. And you can help. Uh, how about kids meals? We're going to be out at uh, Wildcat Golf Club. I was there yesterday, as a matter of fact. The course is great, too. The course is just beautiful. It's in perfect, perfect shape. So if you're a fan, I'm a huge fan of Wildcat. Uh, Kids Meals, we're going to benefit Wednesday, next Wednesday, 1030 a.m., Wildcat Golf Club. Each golfer receives beverages from St. Arnold Brewing Company, lunch from Cypress Trail Hideout, home of Papa Charlie's Barbecue, dinner from Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage, and 18 holes of golf and a quick award ceremony immediately after the tournament. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Register now at ESPN975.com under the promotions tab. So uh, that's going to be that's going to be a great time. Come on out and hang out with us. Uh, we haven't even mentioned, oh, you're so worried about the Astros not spending any money. What do they do? They go out and trade for Dylan Coleman. Yeah, he had an ADRA last year, but okay. Are you sure? Yeah, last year was not good. Um, I saw the numbers the Astros had, and it was a lot better than that. Well, he, no, last year his overall numbers. Oh, they must be hitting you with the overalls. Yeah. So his last year, last year in 2023, ooh, 8.84 ERA. I didn't know WHIP could go that high. Uh, 0 and 2 with an 8.84. 18. Oh, he only pitched 18 innings. He gave up 18 18.1 innings, 18 earned runs. Yeah, okay. Two point oh one eight. What have you given us? <laughs> so, but he's career. He's five and four with a three eight eight ERA with fifty seven walks and ninety nine strikeouts. There must be something they really like about him. His what, spin rate in twenty two. I mean, the guy had sixty eight innings pitch, forty seven hits against, uh, and then his strikeout to walk numbers were, uh, or strikeout per nine was. Uh, well, no, his strikeouts were seventy one. His walks were thirty seven. A little high on the walk total, but. Yeah, his strikeout per innings pitch and his hits per innings pitch, the whip were, they were good. The walk, the walk total got a little bit high for him, but yeah, clearly he's got some stuff. Well, he and they must see. There's got to be something that they see in him. Well, John, he had 19 his spin walks. rate, his arm. John, he had 19 walks last year and in 18 innings. Uh, that's not good. No, so, and 21 strikeouts. Like they probably think if we can get him, if we can fix the mechanics, get the control right. He's got the stuff. He's got the arm. We just have to fix whatever they. Well, they probably looked at him and said, "Okay, we here's some issues we think we can fix," because it's gotten really bad. You know, it's it's 19 walks to 21 strikeouts in 18 innings. Yeah, that's an issue. So it looks like Maton is going to the. I think it's the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals. Yeah, I I don't know if that's finalized, but he, that was the report. That was yesterday. the report yesterday. Yeah, so backwards, fine. the Astros are Presley, Abreu. You know who's got to step? Montero's got to step up. 
Yeah. Montero's got to be your seventh inning guy. Because Neris is going to be gone. Neris is gone. Montero's got to step up. He's yeah. got to be better. You still have Kendall Graveman. Yeah, I forgot about that. Okay. You've got... Um, um, Garcia? No, not Witsit. Uh, the guy who... Oh, Forrest Whitley. No. Yeah, Forrest we're not Whitley. Doing it. We're not doing this thing. Somebody mentions Whitley's name, and now you're putting him on the roster. Well, he's on. He's Have on. you ever seen him as an Astro? You, What's your favorite one pitch that he's made as an Astro in a game at the major league level? I, it's still to be determined. Okay. It's TBD. Yeah. It's still to be determined. So which now we're one. putting him on as a roster. As soon as he throws one, then I'm going to be able to. Yeah. Then I'm going to be able to pick one. Uh, How do they still have club be... control of Forrest Whitley? How do they like? Can't you leave if you wanted so, at some point? Yeah, but it's 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 either going to be France. You, you let's not forget you got Hunter Brown and JP France at the oh, end. Oh yeah, one of them for sure is going to be in the bullpen. Unless you go to, I don't think you go to six man rotation, especially early in the season when when McCullers. Maybe where at does some Luis point Garcia do, go? Because McCullers, that's that's another point. You got Garcia coming back. You got uh, McCullers coming back. You know, you I still think have Urquidy too. Yeah, I know Urquidy's a starter. Kitty's going to be your fourth starter, and either Brown or France. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, it's Verlander. Urquidy's going to be well. It's Garcia's Verlander, not going to be Romber, Javier, Urquidy, and Hunter Brown. And then JP France so, is in the bullpen. Urquidy ahead of France, despite France's year. Probably, I would imagine. That's we'll bold. See. That's a bold move, Cotton. Well, you're just going to turn JP France into a. A gap guy on games where you get your ass Would kicked. Would you trade Urquidy right now for a seventh yes. inning guy? For a what? For a, a bona fide, yeah. really good seventh inning yeah, guy. Yeah, absolutely. You I would? don't think other people would. What yeah. if Urquidy's a, a seventh inning A bona fide seven is as important as a bona fide what if, eight. What if Urquidy is your bona fide seventh then inning Then put guy? him in the pen. You're, you're putting him in as a starter. Put him in the pen. What about Francis, a seventh inning guy? I mean, if you have one with one of your starters, that's that's fine. I think it's probably more Hunter. We got to see Dell's bully. Is I told it. you that. I mean, Hunter Brown is the guy that I want to. I still think I mean, Hunter Brown has more value if he's a starter. But honestly, he's got the kind of potential stuff and makeup that he could. I mean, he could be the eight or nine guy Mm-mm. in the future. He really could. But you don't give up on guys until they can't start anymore. That's that's what you no know, he's got to step up. Listen, the biggest step ups this year: Javier, Hunter Brown, and Montero. Those three step up and get to where they where you think they can be. The Astros are going to be really really but good. You again. have three guys. Yeah, three guys. Well, you hey Chastain way over the thing. hey Chastain For Ford. What? Chastain Ford has Whitley? deepened its support of University of Houston athletics, entering an NIL sponsor sponsorship with the University of Houston's newest basketball guard. Damian Dunn. Uh, Patrick Chastain came out and said, as a longtime supporter of the U of H athletic program, we continue to look at new ways to help facilitate the program's visibility. That is awesome. You're going to see Damian Dunn uh, to speaking for, or uh, if you're following him on Twitter, Damian Dunn is a really, really good basketball player, and the University of Houston is getting behind him. And, and Chastain Ford is getting behind him. Chastain Ford is where they get behind the city of Houston. The, the Chastains have been selling cars in the city of Houston for 80-plus years. Okay, I think it's eighty going on 85 years that a Chastain has been selling vehicles in the city of Houston. You don't do that unless you do it with integrity. You can't stay in business unless you do it. And then you pass it along to their kids. It was uh, Joe's grandfather, and then Joe, and now Patrick, and he's going to pass it uh, on to his son. 
it it is it's it's chastang after chastang after chastang that just does it right in the city of Houston. They're the best. I love them. I'm in the Chastang family. I love everything about the dealership. I love everything about the way that they went about it with me, and you're going to love that experience as well. So you're looking for a great car, a great Ford car or truck, or a pre-owned vehicle with the best deal that you could possibly get with no add-ons, no markups. It's all at ChastangFord.com. It's on 610 at Homestead, not Hempstead, just five minutes from downtown. Trust me, you're going to get into the family. You'll love the family at Chastang Ford. ESPN 97.5, the only Houston sports station with a bidet. And the bidet, should it break, is there a bidet repairman on site?